Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami and I am absolutely delighted to let you know that this is our 150th episode. This is the final episode of Season 3. But before we go on, I just want to introduce the one and only co-host. You might have heard him before. It's none other than Andrew. Andrew, welcome back. Hold on a second. Hold on a second, Satsu. It's me, it's me. It's Craigie C, and I think you've miscounted. You've actually got two episodes to go. I'm here to make that right. I'm here to talk to you all about travel today. I have my suitcase packed. Well, what a great time to talk about traveling. Let's get into where you've been, where you love, some tips. Let's get yourself ready for the 150th episode. Uh, hold on a second. I'm going to have to make some phone calls to cancel some flights. Um, I'll, be, I'll be right back. Push, push it back, push it back. You can get a taxi to the airport. We're good, we're good. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to speed run this episode. <laughs> Right, let's go through the list of countries there. Good, good, good. Don't go <laughs> good guy, good guy, good guy. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, Craig, is he, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this. How are you doing tonight? Not too bad. So as you, I was going to say alluded to, but as you blatantly told <laughs> yeah, today we are going to be having a very casual conversation all about travel. So You might remember a time, a time before the 2020s, where planes didn't fly upside down, trains actually ran, well, maybe boats still sailed, but that's beside the point. (laughs) It was a different time. (laughs) What a specifically British joke as well as, like, Germans and stuff listen to us, like, no, no, all our trains run on time. (laughs) (laughs) Any Japanese listeners, like, no, the trains run instantly. (laughs) Oh my god, you're right. (laughs) It's just for the UK's public transport systems atrocious. It really is. On the one hand, it is connected, but on the other hand, it's like Jesus. Because I remember I was meeting up with a friend and we decided we were going to meet up in St Andrews. And I was like, oh, no problem. I'll just get the train up. Spoilers for anybody planning to take the train in Scotland to St Andrews. They decommissioned the train station there. <laughs> Yeah, because not many people were using it. Go figure. So, yeah, I had to go to, like, the one before it. Which, it all worked out in the end and everything. But I have to admit, as of this episode, I have done a lot of travelling within the UK. You know, like, I've gone down south and everything. I've gone to the Lake District. I've gone to London. I've gone up north and things. But, yeah, other than that, I haven't really been abroad this year, to be honest. And I feel as if it's only the last year, or maybe two, if you include. 2022 that things have relatively started becoming normal again yes even then a lot of countries like just off the top of my head japan me and my wife want to go to japan for a while now and they only started letting tourists in you know without a special visa at the start of this year i think the general access for tourists was only the start of this year so yeah it's only really now we're starting to get back into the flow of things i've been abroad twice this year and it's the first time since 2019 i've been abroad and even still on the flights and still on the airports you're still seeing that post-covid fatigue i don't know what you want to call it but you know, there's still signs in places, there's still wear masks, there's still this. Yeah, it's still happening. Yeah, it definitely does feel a bit weirder. I don't know how else to describe it, you know, that way where it's just like, it's quite strange because I remember during the height of COVID, as it started to wind down, there were so many adverts of countries begging, practically begging people to come over to be like, it's safe here, please. And I remember the one that made me laugh was Turkey. I've never been to Turkey, but I remember 
about it was like an advert where this wee boy, it was all narrated by, you know, that really annoying actor. They always get into dub over another actor, you know, and it's like, wow, these people had scanners. They look just like robots. Ha ha. Oh, this is the best holiday ever. And they've got the massive face mask and everything two feet away. Yeah, this isn't enticing me. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard sell. So here's a semi-controversial question to you. Before we go abroad and we talk about our experiences, because you and I, of course, we've been to Dublin and Sweden together. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dublin and Sweden. Dublin and Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let you run with that and just see what yeah. lies you had to tell to get fixed that. Yeah. <laughs> we actually went touring the caravan for six months for Sweden. <laughs> we went to an Ikea, okay? <laughs> It was a big Ikea. Okay, well, they're all big, but you know what I mean. (laughs) So here's a potentially controversial question before we board the plane, as it were. But when you're on a holiday in the UK, do you prefer going up north or do you prefer crossing the border? down south my answer is kind of specific so me and my wife like a lot of hill walking and she's like the most qualified person on the planet when it comes to hill walking and general outdoory stuff you know rock climbing stuff like that so typically we'll either go up north on the west coast of scotland we did the north coast 500 a while back and the east coast wasn't too interesting for us but the west coast was incredible and the nile skies up there but if we are going to go down south we then go to the lake district which is basically the equivalent of going <laughs> of going up north especially where we live as well where it's like almost the same distance travelled to get to either so that's kind of us yeah we'll typically go northwest or medium south <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to explain it what about yourself? No I would totally agree with that I feel as if if I am going down south I would probably aim for maybe the Lake District because I do love the Lake District it's so picturesque and so scenic you know you've got all the very quaint towns you've got Ambleside Keswick Windermere as well you've just got all these lovely towns and see if you're a dog owner the Lake District is actually perfect because I feel as if you see more dogs than people down there at times (laughs) the amount of shops that were just like come on in take your dog in and of course my puppy was just like oh I can't wait oh what's this what's that trying to speak in a doggy accent and I'm like come on don't do that (laughs) yeah it was just it was really it's lovely whether you get the weather or not it is just absolutely gorgeous but Again, I totally agree with you. If you go up north, there are so many picturesque towns, especially Sky as well. As you said, Sky definitely has changed over the years because I actually remember when I was about five years old, give or take five, six, I went there with my family and I remember it was nice enough. We went to this like cottage place and I remember it just being two houses and just fields upon fields. And then I think it was the last year, the year before when we returned there, yeah, there's like houses is everywhere now so it's completely changed but it's still absolutely gorgeous um, and of course you've got Elendonen which is the castle just before you go into Sky. and there's just so many nice places really when you get up north yeah and it's kind of what you're alluding to Sky's boomed in popularity over the last few years Isle Sky. and if you are going to try go this is, I guess this is my insider tip now if you're going to go up to Sky, take a hit on the weather front and maybe go like in September October or the start before season like we or if you should go up in like March if we're going because it's just 
so busy now during the summer buses and buses of people you know it's great so many people are coming to see it but it's also a tiny island that's not or a tiny isle that's not really made for that many you know, vehicles on the road and so many houses so it does get pretty crowded it's one of those picturesque places that you think uh, it looks beautiful and everything but then you crack your head a degree to the side and then you see all of these tourists saying exactly the same thing you know when you go abroad and you see that one thing that people rave about whether it's like the Mona Lisa whether it's the Sistine Chapel or like the Taj Mahal you know something like that and you're always told that oh it looks amazing in person and then you go there and it's like everybody is there and they're all crowded around I mean again Sky is a beautiful place one of my favourite memories of Sky when my wife went up we went wild swimming so you just get into your swim shorts and jump in and went to the ferry pools absolutely beautiful place and it's got this like stone bridge you can go under and it's all this beautiful like waterfalls that come down to these pools and so we we went for swimming and just as we jumped in two busloads of tourists turned up and there's like a hundred people just watching me and Ainsley having a swim about <laughs> I'm in basically like probably close to 300 pictures that day because everyone's just like taking photos. Oh <laughs> my god, I can imagine. Amazing. I've never seen any of them. Well, yeah, true. They're on somebody's Facebook. Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember visiting the fairy pools and it was a relatively dreek day. It was all right. You know, it wasn't too bad, but I remember we went there and one of the people who worked there was like, oh, by the way, just be careful. We've had a slight bit of rain, so there's some flooding. And you know the bit where you park your car and you have to walk through these kind of stones and there was like a gap in between and why they didn't just have like two planks of wood over it? I've got no idea, but (laughs) yeah, it was just you had to wade through it to get to the other side, which I know sounds like the start of a very bizarre joke, but yeah, you had to like wade through and then jump up and everything and that was all fine but yeah it was just it was really weird but once you get there and you actually see the pools they are beautiful and again I know exactly what you mean because when we went up my family and I we did see the same thing it was like a lot of couples going in and a lot of groups just diving into the pools and having a swim about I suppose with caution and seasonal advice there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> go when it's not freezing. There's so many places in Scotland that you can go beyond the reaches of Edinburgh and Glasgow and Starland. <laughs> but going back to what we were saying before, you and I, of course, have been on holiday together. We went to Dublin, first of all. And I have to say, like, I had went to Dublin with my family before that, years and years before we went. But that was an interesting holiday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. I think we tried a good mix of here's a whole bunch of touristy stuff we have to do. We also just, I remember we just spent a lot of time just have an amosey, which is like my favourite thing to do on holiday, is just to kind of see what's happening. Oh no, absolutely, because did we not find that food market? Found a food market and probably one of my favourite memories is we found a Mongolian restaurant. Oh, that was so good. What, the Mongolian barbecue? Yay! (laughs) I still talk about that to this day. <laughs> and one of my favourite parts of it was when we left and on the way out I was like holding my stomach and we, we went to this woman outside and she goes oh was it not good then I was like it was the best food I ever had <laughs> oh it was so good I hope it's still there see if it is I will literally I'll take a camera and be like for the love of God go into this place it is amazing yeah it works kind of the same as I'm assuming most Mongolian barbecues where you know you have a very small bowl you pack it with the raw meat and everything and then you put 
some sauce in and then they just cook it in front of you and then they put it in a bigger bowl which I thought okay that's a bit of a swizz but still <laughs> you can go up constantly for as many bowls as you want and that was I agree it was fantastic food absolutely incredible the one the night after though when we went to that Indian restaurant was nice but Jesus Christ I think it burned several holes in me that night <laughs> <laughs> never tell you that when we went to that restaurant and I had ordered I think it was like a Jalfreze curry and I remember and this sounds so stupid but I remember having a Jalfreze curry from I think it was Marks and Spencer's of all places and being like oh yeah I can handle a Jalfreze yeah, oh easy, of course easy. spoilers no you can't <laughs> <laughs> it was so spicy you and I both had red faces of all like water water Oh, but it was so tasty, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. But yeah, you're completely right, though, because we went so many places. We went to... In fact, did we not go to a really nice cafe, Queen of Tarts or something like that? <laughs> that sounds familiar. But yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, that sounds like me. The only reason I remember is just because of the amazing name. <laughs> but I just remember that being down like a side street. You know, it wasn't like it was out in the open to see. It was just kind of there. And you're right, we did have a good mix of just plot about you know and just seeing what was there as well as targeting some of the bigger things like the Christchurch Cathedral was it? The Guinness Factory as well The Talking Fish The Talking Fish <laughs> The Fish and the Bicycle Dublin was great I really did enjoy it Oh it was it was a great holiday and it was only like what three four days? Yeah we packed a lot I think it was three days I think we went on the Friday and came back the Sunday I think we packed it properly packed it I mean to be fair it doesn't take long to get over Thank you, but even still, yeah, you're completely right. And it was the same as well, jumping onto the plane going over to Europe, or the other side of Europe, when you and I went to visit a beautiful friend in Sweden. Yeah, we packed quite a bit in there as well, didn't we? Yeah, we went to Stockholm for, what, three days or something? Well, my excuse was that there was wrestling on, so that was why I had to go. I don't really know how it all came about. I was trying to remember last night, it was like, how did we actually end up arranging this trip? And why did I get to go to the wrestling? Like, what? <laughs> of all the weekends and we were all free how did it end up being the one that WWE were in town class well on Craig I can't really remember that but yeah Stockholm's an amazing place again I don't want this to become like a food blog but good food and yeah we went to this crazy living zoo I don't, I don't know know what to call it it's like a museum with a zoo in it yeah that was a weird place like it was fantastic because the first part you're right is a zoo and then the second part they've got all these very old swedish buildings that they said they kind of carted from one place to the other oh yeah we're just going to keep them here for people to see and everything and again you got that amazing bread in one of them where it was like oh yes please but <laughs> yeah you're right it's just it was really weird but amazing at the same time yeah so i went back to Stockholm without me without, without you I'm afraid <laughs> and there was, we actually missed something that I went back and did it with Ainsley and actually this is now my, like, my biggest recommendation to do in Stockholm it's a warship unless you did do this and I'm getting my memories mixed up but there's a museum dedicated to a warship called the Vasa and basically it was like this ridiculously massive ship that couldn't float particularly well <laughs> I mean they, they took it out to port and immediately sank but what they managed to do was basically salvage it more or less intact in the 60s and just pick it out and stick it in the museum so it's like this huge big boat from like the 1600s just in a museum like all completely built up it's unbelievable 
So that's like my number one recommendation of things to go do in Stockholm is that because it honestly blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like it. The scale of it is unbelievable. Because I remember we went to the art museum. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was fantastic. And what I didn't realise, and this kind of shows my ignorance for this, but I didn't realise that Stockholm was made up of different tiny islands. Yeah, it's kind of the same. It's, it's really interconnected, like lots of little bridges and stuff, isn't it? And it's so weird because we walked by, you know, the building where people get their Nobel Peace Prizes yes. and things like that. And it was just so weird to be walking in this amazing city and just being like, all right, someone cured world hunger over there or someone did this <laughs> and they got a Nobel Prize. And we are walking on the other side and this really lovely cafe and things. And it was, it was just a fantastic city. I was only there for, well, as we said, a couple of days. And yeah, it left such a big impression on me, I have to say. That's my top recommendation. Recommendation. It's like, if you want to go somewhere, definitely go to Stockholm. I mean, the only other thing I was surprised at, and this is something I'll probably bring up in one of the other countries that I've visited, but it was very cashless. Yeah, I actually had a story about this. I was, I was going to tell it. I'm glad you brought it up. Last time I went to Stockholm, so I, like I said, I went back with my wife and we went on a night out with some Swedish people. And one of them started laughing at me because I tried to pay in cash in the bar. I was like, no. So much so that they actually like were all looking at the cash like, oh, I haven't seen one of these notes. It wasn't like a massive note but you know it's one of the probably ones to give to tourists but it's like i haven't seen this note in years i didn't even know you could still get them i was like oh come on it's like a 20 pound note lads like <laughs> calm down because it's not euros they use it's their own kroner but they were popping off that i wasn't using card <laughs> I remember you had actually told me that, that no, no, you don't need cash or anything. And I remember even telling my family and they were all worried, being like, no, no, you should get some cash to take or something like that. And I was like, no, no, I'm sure I'll be fine because I was trusting your word on that. So I was <laughs> like, why did you do that? I can't imagine that's of all the pranks you could have pulled. <laughs> the old cashless prank. <laughs> cash, yeah. That old classic, yeah, got him. It was quite strange to be like tapping your card and everything and it it's something that I think that we don't, in the UK, I mean, it's something that we don't really do. We started doing that a wee bit more to the disgruntlement of a lot of very peculiar people, mind you. But, you know, that it is that sense of there is still cash going around. Yeah, I've never seen someone in the UK say no cash, please. And we saw a lot of that in Stockholm. Yeah, because I mean, funny enough, I think it was a couple of months ago, I went to a farmer's market with my partner and bar one particular woman who was like, no, no, cash only, the majority of them took card, which it has changed days, hasn't it? It seems to be the case for a lot of countries. Just like Luna speaking there. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that was something that going a bit more further along the globe. That was something I was really surprised at when I went to China in 2018. Because funny enough, you and I went to Dublin in 2017. And then you went, wow, that's way too close and way too short. I'm going to go spend. How many weeks were you away for? It's like two full weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Because it was like the debate between two or three. And I'm going to be honest, I went to China by myself. Well, I say by myself, but I went over with my partner and it was the first time I'd ever been to China. Really, it was one of the only times that I've been abroad alone. The only other time I've been abroad alone, well, I say alone, but technically the only other time was with the school. Because you remember when we were in school and we had the activities weeks. 
where it's like <laughs> you said that with such conviction. Trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. Where they weren't great at all. I mean, it was interesting that you know we got to give money over the year, and then it was like, oh, you can go abroad with the school. And long story short, they weren't as fun as you probably would imagine. Some of them, obviously, usually it'd be places that were relatively close, like it'd be France, Germany, Spain. I went to Spain once or twice. I'll get back onto that. But yeah, going back to China, I have to admit, of all the places I've been, that was definitely one of the biggest adventure holidays I've ever been on. You know that way, because I know you'll probably feel that with some of the places you've been, where it's just a completely different society, completely different from what I know. And what I found amazing as well, going back to the cashless thing, was there was a lot of people either on the side of the street or in these like touristy places that had QR codes slapped on these Tupperware boxes of food they were selling. All you would have to do is just scan it with your phone. And that was it, because they used WeChat Pay. So yeah, it was just, it was really bizarre just because I was standing there with my yuan just like oh wow I can't wait to pay with cash and then you know my partner's like no 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 let me show you and then of course bam use your phone yeah I mean between going to the temples up there because I have to admit although we went to other cities like Hangzhou which is great that's got the big West Lake and that's got a big history behind it but when I went to Shanghai and kind of the last day before I had to catch my flight back there was so so many tourists in Shanghai. You know that way when you go to a place and you kind of go off the beaten track, you're talking with the locals and everything, you're getting to know about the real culture and things like that, and then you go to a place like Shanghai and immediately as soon as I got out there, I just came face to face with this stereotypical Englishman on holiday. I mean, it was a lovely city, don't get me wrong, but have you ever felt like that? You've been to a place where you have been off the beaten track and then you come across all the tourists after it. A couple of ones, but one that always stands out to me, I think was really funny, is when I went to New Zealand. We were there for three weeks, and my wife and I drove for most of it. So we got to see, like, obviously tourist locations, but kind of things less off the beaten track. And we pulled up to these hot springs. I can't remember the name of them now, but we pulled up to these hot springs and pulled into the car park. So this is quite one of the bigger tourist places. Pulled into the car park, and we couldn't be further away, but do I not hear a Scottish accent? And they're bragging about not having to pay for parking at the car park because the car park meter's broken. <laughs> Like, come on, lads. We couldn't be further away from Scotland and you're just bragging about saving a quid. <laughs> so yeah, that was that's kind of mine. And you know the worst part about it was I was really pleased to be saving that pound as well, but I couldn't tell anyone about it because they'd stolen it all. Oh, yeah, it's a cultural thing, isn't it? <laughs> to be fair, I probably would have done the same thing. <laughs> Would you say that was your most adventurous holiday? It's either that, because like I said, we've done a couple, so a couple of spring times. That one, just because we were away for three weeks and it was such a big one in terms of like, we didn't know where we were sleeping at night, we didn't know where we were going to eat and stuff like that. The other one we did was our sort of first adventure holiday was we just drove around Europe for two weeks, which was class. What's really cool about Europe, as in mainland Europe, I should say, is they have a much better like campsite culture than we do. So like, we have this van that's not, it's not got a toilet or anything, but you can sleep in it. So you can pull into any campsite and they'll take it and it's yeah no it's, it's unbelievable because we're pulling into like campsites in France and they'd have like star ratings outside like a hotel would have like a four star campsite and stuff like that some of the memories from that which is some of the weird places we ended up because we had a few main destinations to hit and obviously to keep ourselves so we weren't going to miss our ferry by six days we had to have like a bit of a timeline but no that was unbelievable and then recently this year I went to Cuba for a week 
and we went to Havana and then we went out to the National Park area which is out there which is unbelievable so I've done, I've done quite a few actually now I'm starting to list them all but yeah I think that for, in terms of most adventures probably Cuba just because it was so weird that was like I guess super kind of similar to what you had in China where it's so not for tourists in the sense of like it's just ran, it's just their culture and you're turning up into it which is pretty cool so that was probably the one I would say is most adventurous because I mean the only one I can think of and technically you know it was with family so it wasn't exactly like I was <laughs> living on the edge with that one but the weird one that I had was and I know you've been to America as well but I ended up in Chicago of all places it seems like and I don't mean this as a Chicago thing only I just mean America as a whole because for a country that you know we've seen lots of America on TV shows we've seen I mean we're both Simpsons <laughs> fans and fans of those kind of shows so we know a American culture but it's so weird seeing it through a TV and actually being there just one of the examples I can think of off the top of my head and this is going to sound like a weird one is the and I get why they do this but the service over there it really unnerves me because no matter where you are usually let me paint the scene for any American listeners for us here in the UK if you go into a shop you might get maybe one or two people coming up to you saying are you looking for anything in particular can I help you and as soon as you say no no I'm fine you wave your hand like don't wave your hand that's rude but you know you go no no I'm fine that's it they'll leave you alone but for American staff whether it be in retail or whether it be in restaurants especially I think there was three separate times I had a mouthful of food and they were like oh is everything good and you know it's the same way when you're at the dentist and they've got (laughs) their fingers down your mouth they're like oh how does that feel when you're like well I can't answer you yeah did you find that when you went over? Oh, 100%. It is crazy. Obviously, it's a very big tipping culture. This That's kind of why. One of my favorite ones is we um, went to Las Vegas. And as you can imagine, very similar. They're all over you. They want to be this like super top service that you leave tips and all that. One of the bars had like a gimmick. All the, oh, sorry, all the bars in Vegas had a gimmick. But one of them had a gimmick where the staff were like rude. That was the joke, right? The staff were rude. It's a bit like, it's, like I think there's one just now is kind of going viral, like Karen's Cafe or something. Kind of the same idea, but it's bar staff. But the whole joke is they're rude to you. The problem was they weren't. They were just polite to you, but with swear. So it was just the exact same great service that everywhere gives you, but they were swearing. And it was like, I didn't want this. I wanted someone to give me a drink and ignore me. That's what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted someone that wouldn't smile at me when I asked for a drink. That's all I wanted. <laughs> I, I didn't want. I didn't want top level service. I wanted. <laughs> I wanted the British service. <laughs> you know, it's so true. There was a cafe down the street from me. I used to live in a wee town not far from where you used to live. It was this like one man cafe, and the guy would open the shop at like eight a.m. on a Saturday morning. And if you know you'd been having a couple of drinks or whatever the night before, you would go get your fry up from. And what was amazing is he was always hungover like way more than anyone else was so he'd be standing like over this grill like <laughs> try not to throw up <laughs> you'd order like oh can I get a rolling square and he'd be like geez a minute and he'd open the window and <laughs> just look out it for like two minutes start cooking and just be like leaning heavily breathing and like give you like 220 you'd give him it you'd go cool and then t- <laughs> go back to the window and that's what I wanted from this place <laughs> the mental image alone is incredible <laughs> <laughs> the sweat's pouring off the guy man <laughs> that's what I want from American service you hear that America write that down <laughs> this is what you're doing wrong <laughs> 
Stop being so nice. So here's a question for you, because I'm suspecting you might have got this in America, but I don't know if there was any other country you would have got this. Have you ever been singled out for being Scottish? Because let's face it, they usually go for the Scottish part before they realise, oh, you're a tourist as well. <laughs> oh, all the time. One of the ones things in my head is I was at a shooting range in Vegas. So it was like obviously like ex military people that ran the place. And one of the guys is like, Oh, wow, you're Scottish? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, So what did you think of William Wallace? Because he's, he's kind of like a terrorist, right? I was like, That is such a load of question. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> people love Scottish people abroad. It's one of the things I'm most thankful for when I go places that people like Scottish people. Oh yeah. Typically like New Zealand very fond of us. You know, lots of other countries, especially when I went to France recently, and they're they're quite fond of you out there as well. I think being English is like so much worse. I'm pretty thankful actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Scottish. What about yourself? How have you found it? There have been a couple of instances, <laughs> I have to say, where people have pointed to me and been like, oh, look, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a satu in the wild. I remember going back to America, there's been, surprisingly, it didn't happen as much. You know, there was like, there was one or two instances where people were like, oh my God, where do you come from? And it's like, oh, Scotland. And then that was kind of the end of the conversation. There was no follow-up. There was no verbal ping-pong. I was like, come on, come on, give me, give me something. But it was just like a, oh, cool. The only thing I can think of in America was I got ambushed by a guy in a McDonald's of all places. And it wasn't so much for my accent, but it was more for my height. And he came over. Basically, (laughs) long story short, he was trying to sell postcards or something. I don't know if this is like a common thing in America, because it seemed as if whenever you went on a train or public transport, there was always a guy with a speech prepared before he started coming around with a hat for donations. Any Americans, you know, listen to this, please feel free to let me know if this is a common thing or not. But yeah, it was like, oh my God, you look like you play basketball. You're that tall and everything and I'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> just for the reference here for obviously the sake of this being an audio only thing you are not that tall I'm not saying you're not tall I'm tall but I'm not NBA tall no yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. no no one in the NBA is looking at you and going this guy <laughs> this is the man we need for reference I'm over six foot but that's about it it's a comfortable height like it's tall enough to get by in daily life but the best one I have to say and the weirdest was as I said when I went to China because the places my partner and I were going we were going to places that weren't very and I'm using this in the nicest way possible weren't very tourist oriented and by tourists I don't mean tourists within China I mean tourists as an outside of China like if you're from outside China you would go to places like Shanghai, Beijing, places like that. But the places like Hangzhou or, you know, these other cities that we were going to, everybody kept looking at me. You know when you get those old Wild West films where, you know, (laughs) the stranger from out of town comes in, everybody looks at you. That happened to me on a daily basis when we were on holiday there. The thing was, it wasn't out of nastiness or anything. I think Mm. some of the people genuinely had never seen someone like myself. Never seen an NBA player in the flesh. Yeah, an NBA red panda in the flesh, no? Nah, I don't think so. But one of the funniest things was, because my partner speaks Mandarin, she was translating a lot of things that people were saying about me. And it was quite funny. There were things like, I tried on a traditional hat in China. It's like, you know, we get the bonnets for older people, like the flat caps for older people here. It was like their equivalent, and I've still got it. But I remember I put it on, and this woman who was selling it, she looked at me and she went, ah, 
Liang, Piao Liang, which essentially translates to, oh, so handsome, so handsome. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. But the, I know, proudest punch, but the funniest one was the amount of kids who, they were obviously kids, so they've got no filter. And there was one kid who turned around to his dad and he went, Baba, Baba, Lao Wai, Lao Wai, and said, Dad, Dad, a foreigner, a foreigner. And the dad was like, don't be rude, don't be rude. Then he turns to his mum and he goes, Mama, Mama, Lao Wai, Lao I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I got the same thing when you were talking about the fairy pools. I got the same thing of, do you know those like cutouts you get where you put your head through and you get the photo? I got my photo with one of them and these two Chinese teenagers came up and they were laughing because obviously they didn't know there was this, as you said, NBA player there. And then all of a sudden their phones raised and they started taking pictures and I'm like, I'm on some like random Chinese person's WeChat or something. (laughs) (laughs) so that was an experience I have to say it wasn't like people were being aggressive about it although just one last thing about that before we move on I actually remember we went to the cinema and we went to see this film called Detective Chinatown 2 and basically they go to New York and they have to find the killer and slight spoilers if you're never going to watch us skip ahead a couple of seconds but the killer turns out to be the only other western character (laughs) and I'm sitting in in the front of the audience as the only Westerner in the cinema and I was like come on let's go let's go let's go. <laughs> other than that it was a fantastic experience but that was as I said 2018 because do you know what the weird thing I find about traveling is it's the fact that see when you're like oh that was an amazing holiday like when we were in Dublin I think oh what well, that was only like what two three years ago you know that was six years ago nearly yeah times a flat circle I think that goes as like a test testament as well though, to how the memories you make when you travel though in a, in a way that are so fresh and so vivid some of the ones I've shared today like I was driving around Europe that time and that was 2015 I believe and so memories like that they don't they don't go away I think the first time we went to Stockholm was a long time ago as well now and you mentioned in school as well and I think it just goes to show you traveling and tourism in general it's like unbelievable that we're so lucky to be born in an era where we can do this and we're lucky enough to have the funds to do it because yeah the memories you make I know it's a, a cliche to say but you know I think you've kind of proved your own point now the memories last a lifetime oh no you're absolutely right because I always remember when we were in history class together and we learned about the of all things I can't believe I'm bringing this up years later our teacher would be proud of us but remember when we learned about the locomotives and that was the beginning of when people in Britain started to go on beach holidays and things like that that was kind of the first form of like you know people going traveling for holidays and obviously there's a big ruckus behind it of oh is it good is it not but you're completely right it is amazing how well maybe not nowadays but you know what i mean it is relatively affordable now to be able to travel the world it's so much easier just to pop on the internet book a place and be like oh this looks like a good place or i don't know about that and especially with the rise of airbnbs as well that's another thing that's i mean it's been going for the last what maybe 10 5 10 years but yeah things are changing though aren't they one thing i've been quite conscious of is this will make joy draw the ire of some people but here we go <laughs> so a couple of years ago i went vegetarian Ooh, probably Ooh, go reasons yeah. as a joke <laughs> 
Eat me. Um, <laughs> so when I travels before the year 2020, you know, I didn't really care about food or whatever. I just eat whatever. I'm a lot more health conscious now because I'm also vegetarian. And so now I have to be a bit more savvy about where I go. And I can just do that on my phone. I can just look it up before I go. I can just type in, oh, is this place vegetarian friendly or not? It's so simple now to get access to any piece of information. Book any hotel. You mentioned Airbnb, but even things like hotels.com or whatever. They've got the biggest database ever gathered of anything. Most hotels and most places have like pictures now, so you can you can look ahead, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And again, this has always been available in our adulthood, but the ease of it and yeah, how much I'm actually looking at because I need it has changed so much and it's so easy. Like I went on holiday to France, I'm actually just back this week and we're in this tiny wee town called Moliettes. It's like a beach town. It's I can use the Happy Cow app and it instantly just brings up every vegetarian option of every restaurant in the area. And it's like, that's unbelievable. Like, you can do that. So I just think, yeah, that side of it, the access of information, you can find out anything now so easily. You can book trips weeks, months in advance. Just we're, we're so fortunate to be able to do that, I think. Funny enough, when I was really young, young enough that I wouldn't have remembered it, but I went to Malta with my family. And I remember talking to my dad about it. And he was saying he didn't really enjoy it because this is something that I think every single British person probably will relate to at some point in their life, that... See, when you go to another country, you want to have some degree of familiarity, but you still want something that's slightly different. I don't know how controversial this is going to be, but, you know, you go to places like Malta, where half of it does, I mean, the country does speak English as its main language, but it also has Maltese as well. And it's got a fascinating history. I love Malta, but I remember my dad saying things like, oh, because there were so many British tourists there, they were quite unruly which unfortunately is a stereotype for I mean I want to say it's more down south but let's face it I feel as if it's only more down south because there's more English people than Scottish people but it's only more down south because English football teams do better (laughs) that is true that is true but I mean when I went many years later to Malta I absolutely loved it because we were out of that sphere (laughs) of where all the British tourists were gathering don't get me wrong obviously there was still tourists in the hotel like a horror movie they're in the hotel but it was amazing to be able to see all of these places there without the pressure of someone coming up to you and being like oh we are from the UK and it's like yeah I can see that <laughs> as they come draped in the Union Jack of all places I remember one year I ended up in Spain and we went to Valencia that's a beautiful place and it's been a while since I've been in Barcelona but from what I remember of it it was nice but I also went to Benidorm just after Christmas time one year I actually I think it was probably the same year that you and I went to Dublin. It was nicer then because there wasn't as many because Benidorm, for anyone who doesn't know, it's very infamously British. It might as well be the new Gibraltar because the amount of British tourists, the amount of British businesses that set up there, it's just it's absolutely crazy. So I apologise to all our Spanish listeners. Lo siento. <laughs> but yeah, it was quite strange going from that and then you go to Valencia, which I know is a bigger city, but it's weird doesn't it other than obviously that guy have you ever had that yeah i think it is weird and i think this comes back to kind of what you mentioned about familiarity versus things you're new to you and everyone's got like a different threshold for that like i said me and my wife we don't like to stay in one place for very long when we travel we like to do like city hops and or going around in a van or whatever and so we kind of see both sides of that and you see cities as well when you do this you see certain cities
cities are set up really well for tourists. Some cities set up well for tourists. I'd say some cities are set up too well for tourists. Like, like they cater into tourists. Barcelona is quite famous for this now. Like the locals hate it. How much it caters to tourists. But one, one that always strikes you is my brother. He used to be a rep for Thompson's, an entertainment rep, and so he was living out in I want to say Maloca. I can't remember if it was Maloca or Mallorca at the time. Which one he was at this for the season I'm talking about. But it was in one of like the proper proper British holiday resorts. And obviously it's like Thompson's holidays. And there was two three restaurants in the sort of little town attached to this hotel. There was a just like a wee local restaurant. So it was like that's where all the locals would go. There was a I can't remember what the other one was just like a generic restaurant. And then the last one was like a British pub. And every single night the British pub would be spilling out into the street. There was so many people trying to get into it. It was constantly busy while the two more traditional places were just empty. And also that was really fascinating because, you know, for me, travelling's all about seeing the locals up to and eating their food and trying things that they get up to. You know what I mean? I really like that side of travelling. Well, a lot of people just don't want that. They want to get Britain, just because obviously the British people are talking about it, but they want to get Britain with a better climate. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I always think it's a funny difference. So there is definitely, people are definitely comfortable with different levels of comfort. No, you're totally right because there are so many people that when they talk about a holiday they say, oh I just stayed in XYZ place, which is perfectly fine if that's what you want to do with your holiday go ahead, but it always seems to be summarised as yeah, I just want a suntan (laughs) and that's really it, and you're like, fair enough here's a question for you though have you ever been to a place where you've been disappointed and it's been built up and then you go and then you're like, oh god, this is as good as I thought. No, I don't actually know if I have. Maybe in terms of not having the best experience, maybe London is the only place I can think of off the top of my head where I do like bits of London. I went in a heatwave and London is not set up for a heatwave and everything's extortionate. Maybe London, but London's still got these like great things in it. So I've never I've never come away from anywhere being like disappointed. I can't think of anywhere I've been like completely down in the dumps about it. London's probably the one that springs to mind has been like the hype it gets versus how good I think it is isn't equal but I wouldn't say I came away from any trip disappointed what about you what would you say yeah I think I'd be the same I can't remember really any holiday that I have been severely disappointed that I come back more miserable than when I left but echoing what you were saying in London my partner and I went down to London a couple of months ago as of recording this episode and again there was a heat wave down there not as bad as sometimes it really gets but the thing I don't really like about London is and again this is coming from a Scott, so take it with a pinch of salt but you know it's just it's so overcrowded and everything like there's some bridges where I felt as if I had to like fight my way through because again I don't know if it's just because there's so many tourists or people don't care but people have no sense of lane discipline <laughs> you know when you're in like Glasgow Edinburgh any place in Scotland even and you stay on the left if you want to go one way people coming towards you will be on the right that's how you're taught to do it but here it was like I was weaving in and out it was like Rocky Balboa weave 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 okay we've made it and I lost my partner I'm like oh god where is she <laughs> and so she's behind me but that was a bit weird the only other thing and I was telling you this at the time was we went on a tour bus because we'd walked all around and then we were getting a wee bit tired and I said well we just because we got the London pass which you know is this like kind of accumulation of different sites you can see and everything and yeah it was like oh we've got this ticket free with this pass so we jumped on the bus and 
And lo and behold, I saw the, without getting too deep into this particular thing, but we saw the Just Stop Oil people right in front of our bus. And literally, if we were five seconds faster, then yeah, we would have been past them. But we were stuck behind them for, of course, like about 15, 20 minutes or something. And obviously you can't get out. Oh, the tooting of the horns. That was that was a symphony <laughs> in its own right. But the only other one I could think of, going back to one I was talking about earlier, probably was the Sistine Chapel of all places. Because, I mean, I've been to Italy before. I've been to places like Sorrento, which is beautiful. The Amalfi Coast, if you haven't been there, that is gorgeous. I 100% would recommend that. Rome as well, Pompeii. But if you go to Rome and you see the Vatican, that's amazing as well. But if you go to the Sistine Chapel, the artwork outside of it's beautiful. There's all these amazing paintings, very rich, full of emotion and whatnot. But then you then you get led down this kind of winding staircase and you have all these Italian guards who are just shushing you constantly as you go yeah. down. And you go into this room and you look up and I kid you not, it's that, you know the painting where it's God touching Adam's finger? It's tiny. that picture you look up and you're like is that it and of course you've got them yelling in Italian no photos no it's funny because I actually thought as well like the last judgment which is on the wall is a way better piece and I was like I'm I'm really surprised that the the ceiling's actually so famous when it's in the same I didn't realise it was in the same room as last judgment so when I was there I was like wow that sucked and this is amazing Yeah, you're not supposed to talk in it or whatever it was. So it was like every, you're getting constantly shushed all the time. That's weird. I mean, I've been to Paris before, but Disneyland technically doesn't count. And the last time I was up the Eiffel Tower, yeah, I think Nokia were still in business. So <laughs> <laughs> for legal reasons, that's a joke. But yeah, like I've been up the Eiffel Tower and everything, but. I've never really been to the Louvre where, you know, they've got the Mona Lisa and I've heard that there's like far better pieces. It's just because that's widely renowned. And I, I don't want to say it's the size of an A4 sheet, but that's the way people make out that, oh, it's tiny. You can't see it from a distance and everything. The only other weird one I had, and this might, I mean, I don't want to end in a downer, but this kind of leads into the unfortunate side of cons on holidays where my brother and I went to Berlin one year. Absolutely fantastic city mind you, but we went to Checkpoint Charlie and there seems to be a lot of people cosplaying as American soldiers right in front of it as if the Cold War never ended. But something that I saw, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, are the petitioners that come up to you and they pretend to be deaf or you know, they've got some kind of problem and they try shoving a clipboard in your hands and they want money essentially. That happened twice to me. That happened once in Berlin and then one once in Spain as well. But I mean, other than that and getting conned, I mean, technically the only time I feel as if I've ever been conned was when my brother and I went to Malta and we went to Sicily because I think it was the hotel or whatever company we were with, they organised like a tour to go over there on the ferry. And funny enough, I think that coincided with the Olympics that were in London at the time because it was on the ferry TV but sorry that's a side tangent but we went on this bus tour and I kid you not the bus driver actually took us to this random shack in the middle of nowhere and it had all these jams 
that they were selling and it turned out it was his friend or something like that the tour guide knew the guy who sold the jams and literally in all the guest book it was like why the hell are we here <laughs> why are we here to thingy jam and then at the very end they took us to this volcano that was there but of course we ran out of time to actually go up it because we were too busy pardon my language too busy fanning about with jam <laughs> to actually go see it so the insult to injury of course was when we were coming back in the bus and they had the nerve to put on the DVD about all the wonderful things you can do in Sicily <laughs> and then they had the cheek to ask for a tip to go drinking and it was like ah, that'll be right but yeah have you ever experienced that? I've actually been quite lucky for that thing obviously you get various scams just have to don't hold on to anything that people offer you but yeah I've actually been quite lucky for that but you do hear a lot of stories my, my uncle works on a cruise ship and he will go out and sample tours before they offer it to people and yeah he went on one in Egypt and apparently it was like 10 stops and it was just all just random stuff like that I was like oh my mate owns this shop my mate owns this shop and it's like <laughs> It's <laughs> like, why are we here? Yeah, I think that happens quite a lot, especially when you've got just like a busload of tourists. Funny enough, speaking of Egypt, I remember I was looking at, I think it was like a photo someone had taken from the pyramids. And it's a place that I've never been myself, but they always make it out as if the pyramids are like miles oh, and miles yeah. away from civilization. And literally the guy turned his camera and the city's just like <laughs> right there. You could be working in an office block, look out your window and be like, oh yeah, there's the pyramids. <laughs> the amount of times I've looked out and been like, oh, yeah there's like a famous hill I'm like okay. <laughs> you know and people are like oh my god it's so scenic and you're like yeah, yeah I suppose it is because kind of on a closing point that is something that is the cool thing about being a tourist in another country isn't it because when you live in Scotland for obviously as long as we have you get used to all these sites don't you this sounds like such a first world thing to be like oh I'm so sick of the verdant countryside and the rolling hills and things and the crystal clear locks but you know is it something that you get used to being here for so long, isn't it? Oh, totally, it's t- totally true. Like, I think that's the same for everyone. Like I said, I was just back from France and we were chatting to people that were living out there and they're living in this like beautiful coastline. It's like one of the best places in the world to surf. And like, yeah, I'm just gonna say, right. You know, because of course it's alright because they live there and we're the same. I think especially for where we live, you know, in the central belt of Scotland, it's so easy to just be like, ah, it's alright. It's like, oh, by the way, it's two hours away to the Lake District or it's two hours away to the most famous hills in the world. Tons of movie studios try to recreate in every one of their films. You know what I mean? It's these idyllic, as you idyllic locks and stuff. And we've got one of the greatest in Edinburgh, like one of the most famous cities in terms of castles and, you know, things like that. And it is something I think we do take for granted. And I think when you go away, it does make you appreciate home base a bit as well. Well, I do say like um, for all the cities I've travelled to, I think only a couple I would ever say I would live in more than I would Glasgow. Glasgow is such a special city and I think going away other places we should go, alright actually, hometown's pretty cool as well. No, that is true. Even though I've had some really amazing travels and holidays and things, there is just something nice about see stepping off the plane and then hearing the thick accent or just someone screaming in a Glaswegian accent, you're like, oh I'm home. <laughs> It is. It's just it's so weird that you do take it for granted. But I suppose travelling does make you, you know, appreciate it more. Yeah, 100%. Just to reiterate, I think we're in the best times to be able to do this. We're so lucky for those that can do it and can afford to do it. So we living in the UK get enough holidays to be allowed to take holidays. Thank you, government. So yeah, no, just get out there if you can, because it's, it's pretty cool. Visit places, spend money, eat well. 
have a good time. And yeah, if you want to reach out to us and let us know where you've been, places you want to recommend in your home country, feel free to reach out to us at podpage.com forward slash chatsunami. We have a very handy-dandy contact form for this very thing. Totally not fishing for foodie suggestions. I am. Please uh, recommend all foodie suggestions on the pod page so I can get them, thanks. <laughs> That's true. Because otherwise, if we did do like a travel foodie vlog, I would just not stop talking about that Cuba bread that I ate in China. <laughs> Which I think I have told you that a thousand times, haven't I? Yeah, but actually, one one final question, I guess, before we wrap up. Actually, where are you going next? Where's next? Where do you want to go? That is actually a good question. Before COVID, if I would say between 2017 to 2019, I travelled quite a bit. travelled to China, I travelled to America, Ireland as well, Stockholm. I travelled a lot. And I remember in 2020, I thought, right, this is going to be my year. I'm going to do a lot more travelling. I'm going to see the world. Boom. Covid. No, you're no. Get back in the house. So unfortunately, I couldn't travel. And I feel as if I still kind of suffer from that almost anxiety about traveling. Because recently, over the past couple of years since lockdown's been lifted, I would say that I've traveled kind of up north to places like Sky. I've been down to the Lake District. I've been down to London. But I haven't really been anywhere abroad. So next time, really, my partner and I have been looking at places around Europe you know we've often talked about maybe going to Italy or maybe trying like a completely different country in Europe like Austria I've heard that's beautiful there's parts in Spain as well which are fantastic Germany as well or I might just drag her back to Stockholm (laughs) (laughs) honestly the world's our oyster at this point but what about yourself? Ains and I have been planning a trip to Japan for god knows how long and I think that's the next one I think I'd love to go to Japan one of my friends went recently and I was just like jealousy scrolling Instagram every day it was amazing it looked incredible so I think that's like the next big one for me also I'd like to go to the Outer Hebrides of Scotland like the, the islands at the far north I've actually been to them before what like Orkney and yeah, yeah just on the side note but Orkney is beautiful yeah I've heard it. that was that was my 2020 plans was to go there and apart from that yeah the, there's a lot still to see We'll see what happens next. But yeah, that's the next two, and any city breaks as well. You know, it's always good to get away for a wee weekend. Oh, I absolutely. I mean, as you said before, it is amazing that we do have that chance to take advantage of city breaks. And I have to admit, it's always quite tempting when you see it pop up and, you know, it's like dirt cheap and you think, there is a catch here. <laughs> yeah, you have to hang on to the wing. <laughs> Weighing up the pros and cons. Like, I mean, on the one hand, it is Barcelona. On the other hand, I don't know. <laughs> Jokes aside though, Craig, thank you so much for, yeah, coming on and sharing your travel expertise. You're welcome. Glad to be of service and enjoy the 150th episode that I stopped you from recording. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll send you a postcard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I cannot believe honestly that next week we will indeed be talking about really just our journey into the 150th episode, which crazy to think, isn't it? Pretty unbelievable. As I said before, if you want to catch the other 148 episodes before this one you can catch us on podpage.com forward slash chatsunami you can also catch us on all good podcast apps such as spotify itunes just look for the red panda under the name chatsunami and we'll see you there if you also want to catch any of our early access episodes or exclusive content head over
over to patreon.com forward slash chatsunami and yeah we'll see you there i also want to thank our pandalorian patrons robotic battle toaster and sonia thank you so so much for supporting the channel but until then stay safe stay awesome and most importantly safe travels see what i did there that was, that was good that was really good right go catch your flight <laughs> Okay, I'm away. I'm away to call that taxi. (laughs) Andrew can do the next episode on his own. (laughs) Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one track audio waves. But with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.